Okay, so, so let's stop. Five, four, three, two, one. another episode of the parenting unknown podcast my name is matt hopefully everything is going well with everyone at this time and this month month of november i'm actually recording in november i want to do something special and yes get everything out of the way i do not know what this song is about i'm just kidding i do i don't understand spanish i had to translate it via google but i don't understand spanish but still just because you don't understand the language doesn't mean you can't enjoy a song And I chose this song for this month, and I know it's kind of like out of the ordinary. You probably wouldn't expect me, but this month is the anniversary month of my grandma passing, her transitioning to the next part of life. And it's going to be, and it's going to be 17 years this year. Just thinking about that number, 17 years since my grandma's passed, and that's changed my world since. So this month is always a month, not only for Thanksgiving, I could care less, honestly, but it's really every month to reflect on my grandma, my relationship with her. And in a, in a sense, it gets easier and easier every year that time passes. But the fact remains, you never, you never stop missing him. It doesn't stop hurting. I mean, it does. Either it gets better or you feel more immune to it as time passes by. But 17 years, I've just thinking about that right now. There's, it's a big chunk of my life. So, so much has happened since then. And then before that, uh, tons have happened. I just seen, I just thought it was fitting to do one of these songs for her during this month. So from everybody wants to know, the song is called Sabor a Mi. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Like, like again, I don't, I don't really speak Spanish and there was, I had a hard time pronouncing words and, but you know, fuck it. I'm going to try and if it, if it sounds good, it sounds good. If not, I don't know, sue me or something. But anyway, the song is called Sabor a Mi. And it's from Edie Gourmet and Trio Los Panchos. And Los Panchos formed in 1944. So prior to Chuck Berry sound, the, the Little Richards, Jerry Lewis, 1944. They had three original members. There were Chucho Navarro, Alfredo Gill, and Hernando Aviles. They met in New York. They had tons of albums. They had a decent amount of albums. Because I don't know, artists back then, they seemed to just be pumping out albums left and right. So they met in 1944. By the time 1964 came... They had already signed to like, I think it was RCA or CBS, something like that. And CBS actually proposed the members that they do a song with Edie Gourmet. And she was an American Jewish Spanish singer. I mean, she already had several years recording experience under her belt in the U.S. And this was her start of singing in Spanish. And for anybody wondering, this song is on the album 
Bear with me. Canta en español con los panchos. And it roughly translates to singing in Spanish with los panchos. Go figure, right? But this album is an overtone of love, passion, and really just bits of fine guitar fills in there. As you could tell from the intro, it has a lovely theme, but to me, it honestly reminds me of sitting outside in our little one square one bedroom house in the shade, looking up and just seeing the sun poke out through the leaves from the, from the tree outside. I mean, for that split second, when the bits of sun hit my face, it felt like, like the universe was, it was just made for me. But you know, but everyone has their own interpretations. I know the song is about something completely different, but just the feel, the emotion, that's, that's how I see it. This song was a big part of me and my grandma we are with our uh, car playing music playlist. I mean, we've gone from the White Stripes to Wu-Tang to all her 50 stuff. This song was included, the Beatles. It was just an array of different genres and from, through the time. Unlike a few other songs, this one wouldn't really make my grandma tear up. But to this day, it makes me. And I really haven't heard this song in a good long while. But recently on HBO, if anybody's interested, there's a movie called Cry Macho. And it's from Clint Eastwood. And he plays a man his age, a 90-year-old man, trying to help a boy come from Mexico to the U.S. to reunite with his father. And during this time, they stop by a town because they got down to luck on their car trouble. So he meets this, this widower. And, you know, they're, I guess you could say, falling for each other. And this song starts playing. And all I had to hear was the beginning intro. Because, I mean, no one, I don't know who in the right mind would start this song and play, like, from the, the middle or the end or something. It it's always has to be the guitar intro. And I think at this point, I was, I think I got up to get something. A snack, I don't know, something. But I let the movie play. And as soon as I heard this part, I, I froze. And I, I had to sit down and look what was going on. Because it just, it literally... It stopped me in my tracks, and it took me back to hanging out with my grandma. And to be honest, I, I cried a little bit, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a sorrow, a sorrow feeling. It was, it was a happy cry. You know what that means. I mean, although I truly, truly miss her and November being her transition anniversary, it was a different cry, not like before. It was more of a, it was more of a appreciation. The appreciation for her life, her love, her wisdom, and everything that she's shown me and she tried to give to me. And of course, the stories from my grandma when she was younger, prior before me, they were more brutal, you know, from hitting the kids in the bars. I mean, it's something like a rough life, being a somewhat single mom, raising 10 kids, going from here to there. It sounded like it was a lot. But when it came to me, she made sure that none of that existed in my realm or tried to at least. And of course, this is just part of our, our bond that we had with our music. And it really took a lot of years to really not feel sad when I think about her. And, you know, just the sorrow's a bitch. But I guess recently I've been looking at life with a different view and it must be part of the reason why I feel like this. But even though I don't, I truly honestly don't know what this song is saying, I can appreciate the beauty in it. I mean, some of you may have heard this, some of you may have not. But just because a song is in a different language, you shouldn't dismiss it right away. I used to a long time ago, but that was my, that was part of me that my uncle threw so much shame on me for trying to either pronounce a Spanish word or want to be curious about my heritage. He would, he would talk shit to me. And I guess I got so afraid and so ashamed in a sense because what he had threw at me, I, I hid it away for a year. I mean, but with any good song, you hear it and you, you get to feel the emotion. 
You could tie a memory to a note, to a course, an intro, an outro, or the instrument known as the voice. And for me, this song does it. Few, few Mexican songs have managed to gain wide popularity and a special cultural significance, but Sabor Me is, is one of them. It's like House of the Rising Sun. Have you ever heard that song? Probably most famous, famously done by The Animals. It's had other covers throughout the generations, from The Animals, Bob Dylan. They all had their own renditions of this song. I read somewhere that the exact origin of that song is unknown, but you could ch- kind of chalk that up to like this kind of folk story. So with this song, another Latin artist named Luis Miguel redid it in 97. Another artist such as El Chicano, Los Lobos, Javier Solis, and even Kenny G. Yeah, the redheaded guy with the flute, clarinet, saxophone, one of those things. Um, he's, he's actually had a cover of this. I, when I was looking into this song more for this episode, I, I heard about it and I had to check it out. And it's pretty much what you hear in the original, but, you know, with his own flair. Because, I mean, if you ever listen to Kenny G, it's more like that smooth jazz. I mean, but still, he's even done it. And believe it or not, no one's going to believe me about this, but look it up yourselves, go on YouTube, and type in close to me. Now, type it in. There's going to be a couple videos on the top. I just like a third or fourth video down from the search. Well, Charles Manson. Yes, the serial killer. Well, the cult leader responsible for a few murders, notably in the, what, the 60s? Infamous Charles Manson. He did a cover of this song. And yeah, it's strange, but if anybody doesn't know really or doesn't really care about it, but he's actually had a few footnotes in music. Now, he'll probably say that one or a few of his songs were stolen by the Beach Boys. And it's, he sounds crazy for a lot of things, but he's just a mastermind at manipulating people. So take everything he says with a grain of salt, but still, he did a rough cover of this song and it's, it's, it's crazy. Charles Manson covering this song, right? I mean, the tune was written in 1959 by Alvaro Carrillo. Uh, He was one of Mexico's top composers during the golden era of the romantic, the romantic, what's called bolero. (laughs) Bear with me, please. But Sabotami has been recorded in multiple languages, including French, Japanese, German, Mandarin, Portuguese, Russian, Italian, and the Zapotec language of Oaxaca, the composer's home state. It's like still fascinating i didn't believe it until i looked it up myself and sure enough but during the 1970s Saborami gained new fans as a young generation of alley bands recorded fresh versions with modern inflictions this came during the turbulent era of the chicano movement when mexicans american were demanding their rights for reclaiming their cultural roots i mean this one song was embraced and taken in part of a cultural resurgence this song means more, not to only one, but many generations. It has a power to stop people in the tracks like me, like it did. It has a power to embrace the culture movements. And most importantly, a boy sharing time with his grandma, exchanging words, talking about life, not knowing that 17 years later, hearing this song, I'll be instantly transported. When those few guitar notes play, I'm, I'm back. And that's part of why I wanted to do these little small episodes, well, not small episodes, but these episodes about music, just because music for me has been such an outreach during my life. It's been comforting hand. It's been a mother's love. And it's been a way to keep my memories in a good file cabinet. And when I hear a certain note, 
a certain artist. I could pull that up right away and my mind is instantly back there. I mean, when this song plays, I could, I could envision, uh, sorry, I can envision me sitting across from my grandma. She had this, it was a napkin holder, but you know, her having half her side paralyzed, she used it as a card holder. (laughs) She had a good laugh about it a few times, but it was her card holder. We would play cards, anything from, well, mostly we played rummy. We played dominoes and for hours we would just sit there talk, listen to music. And when we get tired, we'd, we'd watch a movie and it was, it was just our time. And when my grandma passed, it was, it was much more emotional for me because she was the only mother, mother figure that I had growing up in a sense. She was the only one that made me feel like that love that you're supposed to feel from your mom, but my grandma. And it was double because not only did I get the motherly love, I got the grandma love too. So I felt like I was spoiled in a sense with that. Different times she would call me son. And I know, I don't know if she knew, but that meant the world to me. It made me feel like I belong. So when she, she ended up transitioning, it was, it was rough. I felt like I was by myself in the world. And I felt that for many, 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 many years. And there was nothing to kind of, I wouldn't say it was a void that needed to be filled but it just left me in a dark place, wandering, looking for a light. And yeah, you could go through life. You could go out, party with your friends, get a job, you know, get girlfriends, meet people. But it doesn't cover up the fact of what still needs to be tended to. And I never knew this during that time. It wasn't until maybe about five years back when my son was arriving. Well, he arrived. Things were getting a little bit rough mentally, internally inside of me. And as the time passed between those five years and now, it was a big eternal conflict. And it was time that I had to address some of these issues with myself, with my past, with upbringing, however you want to call it, some kind of way to justify and rectify what what went on. Why was I feeling this way? Why did I feel so sad? To this day, when I hear somebody dies, I get numb. I've had quite a few amount of death growing up from grandmas, aunts, grandpas, great-grandparents. Um, now I've gotten to the point where I think when my, my Aunt Lizzie passed, that was like the final bit of sorrow that I, I gushed out. Because you know when somebody passes, typically when you have a viewing, you're with the, your side of the family, right? Like, and everybody passes by and says, you know, sorry for your loss and this, this, and that. But I remember at that point I couldn't I couldn't be with them. And it was different because I was on there, I was on that side when my grandma passed, but when my aunt passed, it was I felt like I was done feeling this way. Like this was too much. Like I can't deal with any more crying, any more pain. And I just stood there looking at her because you know, we had an open casket. I stood there looking at her knowing that this was gonna be the last time me being able to see her. And I don't know if it was me growing up, because when she passed, I was already it was like 22, 23, maybe. I mean, I got to get back to you on that. But I was already older for my grandma. She, I was 14, 15 years old. So with this, it was, I was a little bit more of an adult, a little bit more open to the way some of my family are. And I think that was, that was just the final straw for me. I don't want to be around any more death. I mean, I know it's inevitable. I don't want to be in those situations. I don't want to be around so much crying. And I think that's why, like I told my wife, if anything were to happen to me, just just burn me. 
cremate me and either toss me away, keep me, make me rings for the kids, make jewelry out of me, bury me and make me a tree. But I don't want a funeral. I don't want a viewing. I couldn't handle... <laughs> it's funny. I mean, you're probably going to say you're going to be dead anyway. So, you know, who cares? But I couldn't handle knowing that people were crying like that over me in that situation. Just one room filled with sorrow. I know it's traditional. But when I go, I don't want people to do that. Yeah, they're going to cry and shed a tear for me when I'm, I'm gone, gone. But I don't want that to be in a room. This filled with sorrow. Yeah, you're paying respects, but I don't, I don't want that. And when Matt went, that was the last of it for me. So with all these feelings that have been circulating, me trying to sort everything out right now, doing the podcast, I'm tired of feeling sad whenever I think about my past loved ones. Yeah, it hurts because they're not here, but I think I'm now at a spot where I got to be happy. Happy in the sense because I've been so privileged to be on this earth same time as, as they have. Even though the time we shared wasn't too, too long, but still... That time is cherished and I'll, I'll never, I'll never get it back. You know, it's, it's something that's not going to be going on forever or I'm going to wake up tomorrow and time resets. It's, it's not going to happen. So I got to be, I got to be appreciative to what I had. Time that I spent, the times that I seen them, I could still hear them. Like my grandma, I could still hear her. I could still remember how, what her hugs felt like, what she smelled. It's all in my memory. And so long as you keep that memory good. So long as you keep that remembrance of them, they're never really gone. Yeah, the physical form absent from this earth, but the spirit is never, it's never done with. And I think now I'm finally to a point where when I think about her, I'm happy. So when I heard that song and reminded me of her, it wasn't a sad sorrow cry. It was something different. It was something happy. It was genuine. It was something to say like, you know what? I'm proud. That was, that was my grandma. It's one of the songs that reminded me of her and I just wanted to do this episode about it. And yeah, I had some things pre-thought of, like what I wanted to do for November, December. But you know, this just felt right during the time. And I mean, why not? It's my podcast. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> it's, I don't know if everybody goes through this because again, growing up in our, our Mexican background, we really don't talk about our feelings. So I'm not sure if this happens to my older generation these feelings to get this way, I'm sure as hell going to be asking where I talk to that's older. Uh, maybe we'll ask a couple answers, some older, older people that I know. Not, not a shot. It's just somebody with more life experience. Maybe I'll ask them, see if these feelings ever change, if I'm, what I'm feeling is normal or, you know, what's going on. But that's the beauty of life. We experience it. We could share past knowledge. We could share new knowledge. And it's just one of the things that I'm I'm excited for. So this this music month is dedicated to my grandma. And let's finish up with the song. So love you, Nana. Negaras mi presencia en tu vivir. Bastaría con abrazarte y conversar. Tanta vida yo te di que por fuerza tienes ya. Sabor a mí. No pretendo ser tu dueña. No soy nada, yo no tengo vanidad. De mi vida doy lo bueno. Soy tan pobre que otra cosa puedo dar. Pasarán más 
Sabor a mí. 